0: Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent.
1: Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent help develop yours. Now, here are your hosts, TTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen.
0: Hi, Jocelyn. Hey Maria, yeah, I, am so, I am so glad that this episode
2: got started because we were feeling a little dicey for a second. There weren't we? Exactly. Right. We had we many are. technical issues with
1: right.
0: my headset being unplugged, me putting mute on by accident, and not even realizing there was a mute button on my microphone. Have you learned you hearing double and not hearing anything? And
2: correct, yeah, right. Well, but we are L and D, so we, yeah. we bounce back tech tech resolution and troubleshooting called TTA because me me and Maria can just do it for you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like I could be a virtual session producer right now. Yes, you could. Exactly. That's
2: a nice segue because if you needed a virtual session producer, you obviously need a trainer. And we have one of those on our episode today. We have a
0: master facilitator. Yes. Very excited for our guest and one of our long-term partners who we use all the time at some incredible companies and always does incredible work for us. So let's get started. Mm -hmm. Did you know that approximately 46% of leadership transitions fail? So imagine the challenge transitioning from being a colleague to taking on a leadership role. So this leads us into a pivotal question. How can we empower new leaders to successfully navigate the leap from peer to leader? In this episode of Bring Out the Talent, we dive into the challenge of transitioning from these roles from being a coworker to all of a sudden becoming a leader. We will explore strategies for new leaders to smoothly transition from being buddies to leaders maintaining their peer relationships and navigating changes without burning the bridge. We will also discuss adapting leadership styles, how to gain the trust of diverse teams and overcome generational differences. Our guest today is Dr. Karen Jacobson. Karen, the visionary behind Aligned Leadership Academy, brings a wealth of experience in neuroscience and team development. Has been transforming organizations into competitive powerhouses. Dr. Jacobson's success has been accelerated by her diverse experience as a former Israeli military commander and an accomplished ballroom dancer. We were just talking about your experience and how amazing, Karen. So, welcome.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here with you today.
2: Karen, you know that the term powerhouse is what I think of for you. You are a phenomenal leadership trainer and speaker, and we are thrilled to have you bring that to the table here on the Bring Out the Talent podcast, because this is a statistic that I don't think a lot of people are kind of thinking about, right? We hear about reasons why people get put into specific roles. We also hear about the gaps that exist in those areas. And then here we are talking about the alignment there and, you know, what it actually results in and, like, gains and losses for companies, right, and and their people. So we're really excited to have your expertise kind of lead the way for this conversation. Leadership is very, very near and dear to TTA as, as working with us for as long as you have. Your background is incredibly interesting, as Maria wrapped up with saying that you've been a military commander in um, the Israeli uh, military and a competitive ballroom dancer. At the same time. So, where did that, like, where, what led you to that? And then what then led you to forming your leadership academy?
3: Wow, that, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a loaded question. So, let's t- take it down piece by piece and, and, and really tackle that. I would say, and they may have, they have come at different phases. The aspect of being in the military, I, I, I grew up in Israel. And the timing, it, the, I, I always look at the timing for everything. Two days ago was Yom Kippur, which is Atonement Day. And that was 50 years to the Yom Kippur War. Now, there are some of us that have actually, at least like myself, have been around during that war as a child. And that experience of watching a country manage war how it impacted me as a child, watching watching soldiers, watching what the military had done, that's where that spark of leadership had really begun. Th- those were the roots for me. And, and I remember from a young age, whereas I look at how people were reacting during the war and like, I need to do things differently. And this was, that was my country and my country was in distress. What can I do to contribute and support? And as as I was going through school, everything was all about how do I get into leadership positions? So sometimes there's a calling and you follow. Sometimes there may not be a call. There's more of an assignment. That is going to change the way somebody shows up as a leader. And when we talk about the fact that there is failed leadership and the statistic of 46% of failed leadership, the question is when somebody, whether they show up or whether they are assigned, are they equipped? are they really able to embrace and embody the characteristics that are needed to be a leader for people to listen, to follow, to respect? Do they have that command and executive's presence? Or are we still following the PETA principle and promoting people because of the fact that they've shown skill at work and now they've spent enough time And they've earned the right, quote unquote, to become a leader. That was old school. Today, we need to look at things differently because our landscape has changed.
0: It certainly has. And I still believe that probably happens all the time as far as the Peter principle.
3: Absolutely, Maria, because of the fact that so many of our businesses are still operating based on old world old philosophy concepts one of the things that that we're experiencing right now in the workforce is a change in the dynamic as far as what leadership is what do we bring to the table how do we how do we even run organizations and how much change do we create from that old style of authoritative leadership and leadership that very often is by title to bringing in a higher value, as an example, on emotional intelligence, on what we used to call, or as it's still called outside, as the soft skills. In my work, I don't call it thought skills. Those are core skills. Those are power, power skills. Those are the skills that are essential for me to be able to have a conversation with another human being, influence them one way or another, lead people, diffuse conflict, delegate all those traits that are required to build high performing teams and lead organizations towards success. So, so today, when we're looking at the emerging leaders, It's really more and and research will show that today, as opposed to IQ, EQ, emotional intelligence and the ability to manage our emotions, to manage relationships, to be able to connect with other people is 93 percent essential in promoting someone to a leadership position.
2: And one of the biggest gaps that exists, too, right, which kind of leads us a little bit into the more evolved conversation that we're diving into here. And a lot of what your leadership academy addresses, right, are, are skill gaps in leadership. So drawing from your experience, when we're talking about promoting from within and the success factor of navigating new leadership roles, our topic here today, what are three of the most common challenges that you think individuals are facing when they're promoting from within are, and are kind of creating these statistics?
3: Now, one of them is, is the one that, that Maria kind of brought some light on is I'm um... I'm I'm hanging with my peers today and I got a promotion and on Monday I'm now their boss. How do I navigate that? How do I handle that? And, and it reminds me of a client that I had several years ago in, in Hawaii. And, And he brought up that challenge because they have the concept of Ohana of family. And, and the, and the question came directly, he goes, I got promoted. I used to hang out with my family. And now I don't know what to do. And do I hang out with them and, and drink and party or do I go home? And that's a dilemma that that very often an emerging leader that just got promoted to their peer group is going to have. Now, with that said, since we're not necessarily always promoting based on the Peter principle and someone that might have been longstanding, we might come up with an issue where we've had a team that has a variety of different generations, and I've got a younger individual that is climbing up the ladder and has been brought up for promotion and now is in charge of people that are older generationally. And they may or may not be able to coexist easily, should I say, uh, th- there might be some challenges that we bump against when it comes to ideology, when it comes to uh, work ethic, when it comes to certain values, even when it comes to leadership style. And the third one, I would say, is related to, to I would say, to succession. And what I mean by that is we've had a leader That has been in this department for the past 15 years and they retired. We've brought someone up the channel and now there's a new face with new leadership style, with new values, with new communication style, with new ways of managing things. How did they start managing the team? Good or bad? It could have been that the previous leader was someone that they did not, that the people did not get along with well. How do they change that so that the team doesn't necessarily come up against an same old, same old? Or if there was someone that was very loved, because there's always going to be a comparison when there's a new leader on the team. It's just by nature. So those no. would be the, the top three issues that I see coming more so than than anything else.
0: How can you address these issues? What are some of the best things that you can do to ensure in these three case examples that a smooth transition will happen? I guess you can't assure that, but how can you?
3: See, I look, when when I look at succession planning within an organization, I will actually take this, I will take and and reverse engineer it. And what I mean by that is I'm going to look, when I, as far as, as early as the onboarding process. When I look at someone and I, and and I just onboarded a new team member, what are some of their goals? What are some of their desires? What are their skills? What is their ambition? Where can they excel and what path do they want to see themselves in? If I can start building from, from the start, Then I can also start cultivating and providing them with the right training, with the right skill sets that they need along the way. So maybe I start off with somebody and they they know they want to be in a leadership position. And we have a project within the team that we're working in subgroups. I give them a slight promotion. I have them in charge of a small group. Let them exercise their skill sets. Let them grow and learn by the same time i want to make sure that i'm going to provide the entire team the opportunity to learn the rest of the skills and to be able to use them not whether they're leading or whether they're i would say a back leader and what do i mean by a back leader is they have the, they may not want to be the leader of the team but they can still lead small groups without the title and And taking ownership like that, which helps us first of all create higher performing teams, but also reps people better for leadership and climbing up the ladder and and continuously making sure that we check in on those goals because those goals might change, but that preparedness along the way, that readiness helps people to a position where they're not just taking and and by the way, I don't mean by just giving somebody an online course here, you take this. This is going to be your leadership preparedness course. There has to be some live intervention. There has to be some connection. There has to be either whether it's the opportunity to have some type of a hybrid course where somebody is actually being able to coach them, where where somebody might have some mentorship involved, where there's the opportunity for feedback and, and not. Just to there is a, an expression in in Hebrew, and I'm, I'm trying to translate that in my head. Is it's to to just do something because you're supposed to do it? Okay, we're supposed to train people, so let me just drop in a, a learning management and put something online. Well, the research is going to show that while some people have the discipline to do that, a large percent won't, and you don't gain from that. So you're really not developing your leaders. You're really not building a a strong succession unless you have a personal intervention. You cannot teach people about people skills and about leadership without having a live group to show an example and and actually demonstrate.
0: That's an excellent example. And I could see over the 30 years of TTA where we have done things similarly to what you said, but we really didn't put that as a practice as far as this could be your first step into managing a team i really like that
3: furthermore with that maria when we look at when we look at growth and transformation it is a process not an event so if i'm coming in and i am going to do i'm going to come in i'm going to do a team development day You'll feel nice. You'll have some ideas and you'll go and put the stuff home and you'll have what one of my mentors years ago used to talk about shelf help. Oh, I did this. I have a certificate. But but how did you apply it? Being able when I work with a client, I'll go in and I'll create continuity programs where they have training and conversations and coaching and group experiences so that they can actually learn, practice, demonstrate skills, and even teach each other. Because we know, according to adult learning, that when I'm teaching someone what I've learned and they get to teach it further, that's the highest level of retention. So that practice, that retention will help people along the way. And and it it could even be with micro-learning, so that by the time somebody gets to a point where, okay, I'm ready to rise among, among my peers. I've already known that that's what I was looking for. And I've had coaching on how to, to really manage my behavior along the way. So it, it's not that somebody will be the, the party animal today. And for the first two years at work and then on Monday, they're going to stop. If I know that I have a certain path, how is my coach? how is my how is my mentor going to direct me to know that hey, if I want to advance my career in this organization, here are some boundaries and some behaviors that would be appropriate and some behaviors that would not. I get the choice if I want to walk the path of leadership, I gotta start acting like a leader from day one
2: right I was gonna comment on the Practice and demo part of it because I, I mean, so often we talk about the needs of learners and what works the best for them in like a, even a training setting. So like like classroom style training setting, I mean, and it's always about how is this the most practical for me? How can I see myself doing it because I want to be able to kind of put it into practice immediately and start seeing the results of the of it, which is immediate fuel to the fire which is immediate, like not immediate, but close to skill retention because it's continually practiced and then it becomes habitual. And then you build off of those skills as they continue to evolve. So, I mean, I I am a full, like huge proponent of demoing and practicing skills versus that off the shelf, got a certificate. So now what kind of thing? So yeah, I I just, I, I love the tactics that you put into place and that that's an automatic kind of part of what you provide.
3: Well, that's the difference between knowing something and embodying something. Mm-hmm. I can I can know something logically, but I've never done it. It's it's funny you mentioned earlier when we talked about ballroom. I I happened to be very fortunate when I started training and, and when I started dancing. I had a I had an instructor who was also my dance partner who was very very wise. And at the time I was in my previous career as a chiropractor. Now I could tell you every single muscle, what the origin, what the, the insertion, where it starts, where it ends, what movement it creates. How does it, how does it flex? How does it extend? And he was talking about something different because he said, I want you to move in a certain way. I said, well, I'm doing that. And he goes, no, you're not. You have the knowledge. You don't have the movement embodied. And I remember I I was training at the time, both with him and I was actually cross training. I had another coach. And one of the things in order to get that muscle to act, she would tap on the muscle so that I can actually contract the muscle and use it. Now take that into play. We have the logistics, we have the knowledge, but are we tapping on the muscle? Do we have the opportunity to use the skill, bring it into play and see results? And that's how we need to look at training. And that's how we need to look at being able to also create that succession within an organization.
0: I love that. That's a great example
2: great visual. It certainly is. And again, I, it's just so important, the practice and the demo and what it leads to. And I'm glad that we're talking about it because we don't talk about this kind of stuff en- enough. And going back to what you were saying about the kind of buddy to boss transition, that's another one that I think leads into a lack of success in the leadership transition. So what about that? When a new leader comes up from a pre peer group and is now in charge for lack of a better word how can they af- what is the first step in effectively transitioning and making sure that relationships are kind of still upheld but that the professional one is developed into the appropriate layer that it now is
3: one of the things that is is important at that level is having the tough conversations and one of the tough conversations is is being open and upfront with the team hey team I'm literally in a position where three days ago, we were hanging out as peers. Today, I'm the supervisor. And that's not changing how I feel towards you and the friendships that we have. It does put me in a position where, as a leader within the organization, my word comes down through the chain of command what i'm asking is your support i'm asking for you to give me checks and measures and support me in my role so that as a team with my leadership we can all succeed now think about it how many times do you actually know of leaders that would have that conversation very often we 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 end up with conversation where People are not guided to have that type of conversation. they're guided to really force by their title well i'm because I'm the boss now, and my words my word is what it, it is what sticks and that transition is leading by title, not leading by right, it's also leading by authority and not leading by support and and so. If that, and that conversation is not easy. You know what? Yes. I, I used to hang out late. I've got more responsibility right now where I have to be in early, whatever the, the conversation might be, where I cannot do that. But I'm happy to maintain relationships, whether it's, whether it's doing one on ones, whether it's having lunches, whether it's having certain things. But, but I'll still go back. To where we started in the succession, that behavior has to really start being modeled earlier on for someone to truly, truly be successful in that transition. It's an important one to have. I
2: agree. It's And it's a tough one, too. I, but I think that one of my outlooks on things when it comes to relationships like that is just full transparency. So, I mean, I, speaking from my own experience, I stepped into a leadership role here about a year ago and have great relationships with everybody at this place. Like, it's just the way that TTA works. But, of course, you, you're you on a team and part of that team and then make a transition to leading that team. You get close with those people on a different level, level prior to that. And I had, like, very raw, almost, conversations about it being saying, that like I know this is how our relationship is so I don't want you to think that we can't still have the the trust that exists from having those relationships and that I can also now help you in a professional standpoint and level with you more on that because I know exactly like what your experiences are because I was part of them and I think it just it really it added something to it as opposed to completely changing it And it was because sometimes I was like, I don't even know what to say, but here's how I'm going to say it. And so like people just understood it was me saying it and I'm here to like help us all just enhance things and do right. And like nothing else should change about it, because I think part of our success is the fact that this is how we are. So transparency, I don't know, maybe it's too much, but it's worked so far. (laughs)
3: So you tapped in, you tapped into a key a key element that's important. They always talk and they also talk about it on in Five Dysfunctions of the Team and, and having those raw conversations, which is the element of trust. And the question is, how do you build? And that's really what, what, when you look at at those three scenarios, whether it's someone that's younger, whether it's a peer or whether it's old versus new, a loved leader versus not necessarily a loved leader that that is replacing, it, it boils down to trust. Am I being trustworthy? Can I trust my peers to support me? And that is based on the relationships that you create. It is based on your transparency, on your authenticity, and your ability to be real and be willing to have those conversations that you gave a great example, Jocelyn, where you had, and it doesn't necessarily have to mean that everybody might be comfortable with having a group conversation on that although a group conversation can be very cathartic done the right way facilitated the right way sometimes it could be with the leader sometimes it could be with someone a facilitator from the outside to manage it but what it has to be it has to be open and and real and it can be one on one where you really hear your team members and you understand what their needs are you understand what What worked well in the past, what didn't work well, and how do you proceed? And I have not seen too many situations in life where done the right way, if you ask for support and for help, that is for the greater of the good that people say no. Mm
0: -hmm. You're talking about trust, and as we know, that is so critical. You can't have a good team. You can't have a good company without having trust. What are some ways? I know we were just talking about having an open conversation. What are some other ways that you could build trust up within a team and being a new leader? How how can you drive that forward?
3: One of the things that happens, or it can happen with a new leader, especially if it's someone who's eager to really do things their way can be the idea of coming in and changing too much. And if I come in and I change too much too soon without having my finger on the pulse and really exercising my listening skills and understanding how much should I change? When is this ready for change? This should stay as it is and involve the team. Then that can be That can be an Achilles heel that will actually cause more challenges. So being able to have the wisdom of when to make changes, what to keep as such, and to involve people in the process. Because when we involve people in the process, when we hear from our team, we develop more. We we show ourselves, first of all, as being trustworthy and caring. And and at the beginning, having a new leader come in, for some people, that in it itself is already enough change. So not rocking the boat for a while and then discussing and having that transparency and, and keeping a certain level of stability and, and really being true to your word. So living by example, if I say I'm going to do something, do what I'm going to say. As a leader, be an advocate for your team members as well. Okay. So, so we're really bridging depending on, on the level of leadership. I might be bridging between my team and the upper and the senior leadership in an organization. But am I one sided? When do I side with my team? When do I follow corporate or, or the leaders from above? How do I help make peace with that and not come across as to the team as just a mouthpiece? Because that will break trust.
0: That's interesting. Can you get into that more, what you mean by just being a mouthpiece, meaning that you're just bringing the message down from your boss and not really buying into it?
3: So that's one area, whether I'm bringing a message down, not buying into it, or whether I'm not listening to my team members and not bringing their concerns back. <laughs> See, when when I when if I'm if I'm at a mid if I'm if I'm a new if I'm a new manager and I'm in a middle management level and I sit as a peer in a in a management meeting or an executive team and I'm not bringing up concerns, I'm doing a disservice for my own team and and i'm not I'm not bringing the right message down because I'm not bringing feedback at the same time and and for for argument's sake, a better word might say is that I might end up just being a puppet of the upper leadership, and that's where I break trust completely
2: We've obviously had a very insightful conversation, lots of information here, and several things to that organizations can look at if they one are looking to promote people from within and address new leadership roles within their organization, but also bridge the gaps that exist there. What's one piece of advice to kind of close us out that you would say start here when you are embarking on your journey to growth and leadership in order to be successful?
3: I'm I'm gonna go back to what I said from the beginning. And what I mean by that is when we're onboarding, when we're bringing someone new, what is what is the path that they would like to take? How do we support them on their journey towards growth and advancement? Because one of the things that that is going to do, if I nurture that path, if I provide them with training, if I provide them with opportunities, I've now been able to and, and supported them along the way with with real concrete actions I've now also been able to build loyal team members and loyal team members just as as Maria was saying that's how a company will grow because I've shown that I'm investing in my people. Richard Branson talks about the success of of organization. Is not about the process or the procedure. It's what you invest in your people. If you invest in your people, the people will invest in you and your organization. That's how you build succession. That's how you build success. What a mic closing
2: drop. argument. I know, right? <laughs> like, what a closing argument or mic drop, as Maria said. So, but don't drop it yet, Karen, because as beautiful as that wrap up was, we're not done here. It's time for our TTA 10.
1: It's the TTA 10. 10 final questions for our guest.
2: All right, Karen. So we talked about this beforehand. 90 seconds will be on the clock. 10 questions are in my hand. I'm going to ask them to you, of course, and then the goal is to just answer them as naturally and quickly as possible. We will celebrate you if you come in under the 90 seconds, and we will do the opposite if um, you go over time. But again, it's all in good fun, so it will be fun to see how this shakes out. So are you ready to get started?
3: I am ready.
2: That's my girl. All right, David. 90 seconds, please.
1: All right. 90 seconds on the TTA 10 clock beginning now
2: all right Karen what is your favorite thing to do on the weekends Ballroom dancing mm, of course you know. what is your favorite feel-good snack go blueberries blueberries what is the best piece of advice you would say you've ever received
3: don't sweat it Dine in or take out? Dine in. I've got I've got a chef living with me, so. <laughs> oh, there you go. What is a moment
2: you wish you could re like a moment from your life that you wish you could relive again?
3: I embrace every moment and I have no regrets, so
2: Okay then. I love it. So we know that Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. So how many pickled peppers did he did Peter Piper pick? A peck. What is your favorite power skill to teach on? Emotional intelligence. You can pick any artist in history to host a hometown concert for you. Who do you choose? Celine. Celine. What is nine plus two? Eleven. I've got a fever. So what's the prescription?
3: Don't sweat it. Go to sleep. Okay. You're talking to somebody that used
2: to be a chiropractor, so. <laughs> <laughs> All up. right. David, those are our 10 <laughs> questions. So let's get the final time. Please.
1: With the score of one minute and 11 seconds, Dr. Karen is easily under the threshold.
0: Bravo, Karen.
1: And so... Since she is a ballroom dancing aficionado, take me to the ballroom. Here I am. (laughs) And we call on Mr. Michael Buble for this week's salute. Dr. Karen's in the house today, so your dismay will sway away. Like the perfect sand in Tel Aviv, she'll achieve all that you conceive. From a land where conflict was the norm, her courage born, she became the storm. A leader who makes our spirits soar, with a heart so warm we can't ask for more. With their knowledge of the mind and brain She helps us all break free from every chain Bring us together in a snap Just like a really nice falafel wrap So here's to Dr. Karen, raise a toast You dance and lead, you're the most We say l'chaim to your brilliant zen and you're a champ of the GTA 10. That's right. Oh, my God, David.
0: That was oh like God. your I'm ultimate. A i want 100%. You will have that. and You can play that for everyone. That's that your was, theme song. That
3: was the best cha cha ever. <laughs> <laughs> I I told
2: he would, I told you he was not going to disappoint. Like it is, uh, David, uh, bravo, oh, bravo, right That was there. brilliant. I wish that I could sing like Buble, brilliant.
1: but I. Well, oh,
0: it was I, very I, impressive. Got, <laughs> your new theme song, Yeah. Karen.
2: Right? I want to hear it the next time I open your website with David's permission.
3: Replaying it. It's all yours. I give
0: you permission, even if he doesn't. Well, thank you so much. That was truly wonderful. I really, really appreciated the time and appreciated hearing all of your incredible insights.
2: So well thought out and spoken, Karen. So thank you so much for a wonderful episode and for being such an outstanding resource to us. For more information on Dr. Karen Jacobson and aligning new leadership roles in your organization, visit us at thetrainingassociates.com. We'll see you later.